Aloha, my name is Pastor Tim of Hope Chapel Milani, and it's, it's an honor to be able to speak with New Hope Community Church this morning. So great to be with you guys. I figured since I only have probably one week with you guys, I would just share something near and dear to my heart. In fact, it's, it's a story, um, and it's my story, but it's, it's a story that also reminds me of a character from the Bible. You see, in Job 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. Now, let me preface this by saying that I do not claim to be a blameless man of complete integrity. But once we get into his story, I think you're going to see similarities between his life and my life. You see, once I met God, I totally fell in love with him. I tried my best over these last 40 years now as a Christian to, to be blameless in his eyes, to walk in his path, and the Lord truly has blessed me. Let me give you a little background on me. I grew up in an idyllic childhood on a small farm in southern Minnesota. My dad was a farmer, so he was always available. My mom was a housewife, so she was always available. And I had two brothers and a sister. High school and college were wonderful experiences for me, except that I, in college I got into some bad habits, alcohol, drugs, etc. But I graduated, and upon graduation, I got a good job in my field of of study, the marketing. Uh, And then after a few years working in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the harsh winters, I don't know how many of you have been in the north in in the wintertime, but it's brutal. Um, I decided to make a major life change, and in 1984, I moved to Hawaii, where I continued kind of my path of destruction involved in a lot of things that were not good for me. But two years later, I received Jesus as my Savior, and I I joined a young church on the windward side called Hope Chapel Kaneohe and sat under a man named Pastor Ralph Moore, whom you may have heard. At that time, the church was only about 150 people, so I was thrown into ministry. Basically, they took your pulse, and if you were alive, they put you in ministry. and the Lord just kept on moving me up the levels of ministry. In 1991, our youth pastor there named Jeff McKay uh, decided that he was called to plant a church in Milani. At the same time, I had just met my future wife. Uh, she had two girls from a, two little girls from a previous marriage. And so when Jeff went to plant the church in Milani, I felt called to go with him. Uh, And now, at this point, this woman was my wife, and these girls were my adopted daughters. Seven years later, uh, Jeff was called to Japan to start a church there, and so I became the default, so to speak, new senior pastor of Hope Chapel, Mililani. My wife and I had two more children, a boy named Tyler and a girl named Kylie, and it seemed that just everything was going wonderfully, like we were just blessed. But unbeknownst to me, there was a storm cloud forming on the horizon. Well, today I want to take you through what I call 
the confrontations of the book of Job. Uh, scene one, scene one. And if you remember the book of Job, and hopefully you have a Bible, you can turn there. We, we begin the book by the, the Lord being challenged by Satan. It's a very unique and interesting situation. Satan came before the Lord in heaven with an accusation concerning a servant of his named Job. Let me read Job 1 verses 9 through 11 to you. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Did you get that? Satan had to ask permission from God to test Job. That just speaks volumes to me. You see, if you have given your life to Christ, then guys, he has taken it. He's taken that offering that you laid before him, and now you belong to him. And so the enemy can't touch you without God's permission. Some say that the book of Job deals with this question. Why do good people suffer? It's probably the most prevalent question for non-Christians and Christians alike. Why do good people suffer? But I believe the deeper question is this. Is our God worthy of our worship and service even when it seems like he's not blessing us? Is our God worthy of our worship and our service even when it seems like his hand is off the wheel and our life is going any, every which way but straight? I can tell you from experience that if you obey God only because he blesses you, your shallow faith will show itself when times get tough. You won't make the cut. You won't stay with him. Well, back to my story. So now my wife and I have been married for about seven years. When all of a sudden, in one week, two different pastors came to me with the same prophetic words from Joshua 1. They said, I don't know what this means, but I was praying for you, and the Lord told me to tell you, be strong and courageous. And I thanked them. And they asked if anything was wrong, and I said, no, everything's fine. A little confused. Then, a week later, a very good, really good friend of mine had a dream. And in his dream, God spoke to him and told him to come to me and share his dream with me. Uh, and this is the words that God gave my friend for me. Do not wither in the face of adversity. Do not wither in the face of adversity. And again, this friend asked too, is there something going on? And I said, no, I, I don't, everything seems to be going well, but I, I, I value that, I will hold on to that, and yeah, we'll see what happens. But during that time, my wife had attended her uh, 25th high school reunion, where unbeknownst to me, she had reconnected with an old boyfriend. Scene two. Job is attacked by the enemy. It's almost like a four-part play, the book of Job. So now we moved back down to earth, and God has given Satan permission, and Job has done his best, as you'll see. Job 1, 18 and 19. 
Another messenger arrived with this news for Job. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. Parents, can you imagine worse news than that? All of your children are dead. Now, if you read Job, I think you will agree with me that Job had done nothing, had done nothing to deserve these terrible calamities. And sometimes we can even question, God, I know I understand you want to test us, but why would you give the enemy that kind of power? It doesn't seem reasonable, but then we're not God. Amen? But we do know that God uses the sufferings that he allows into our life to test us and to strengthen us and, and to fulfill his sovereign plan for our lives. Well, back to my story. In late 1999, my wife finally admitted to having an affair, um, to being in an affair. She was still in it. I was senior pastor, preaching every Saturday. Um, I was ready to give up everything, the ministry and everything. I did not want to give up on my wife. And so we began marriage counseling. And then I booked a weekend at the Ihilani Resort in hopes of reconciling, you know, go to a beautiful place away from the kids and distractions and maybe we can hammer this thing out. But the first night we were there, my wife said this to me, I wish I was here with him. And this person's name was Mike. Knowing my marriage was over, I remember just stumbling out of the room. It was kind of like I was in a cloud. It, it was so strange. When you're under that kind of emo emotional duress, it, it's almost like you're, your eyes cloud over. And I stumbled out of the room and I walked onto that deserted beach. And I walked and I walked and I walked. I walked until the emotional burden was so great that my, actually my, my legs gave out. It's only happened to me twice in my life. My legs gave out from emotional burden. I laid there in the sand trying to get up. I couldn't get up. My legs weren't working. Um, I laid there for a long time, just curled up in the fetal position. Finally, in desperation, I just cried out to the Lord. Father, just show me that you, that you care. Show me that I'm not in this alone. And guys, I got to say, I don't know if seconds went by before I was filled with this surge of energy, so much so that I jumped to my feet. Seconds ago, my legs didn't work. Now I'm standing up and I'm, it's like my battery pack is completely filled. And then I feel this warmth going from my toes to my head. Almost the exact same experience when I asked Jesus into my life. This warmth just spreaded through my entire body. And guys, it had been so long since I felt any glimmer of happiness, but now I was feeling pure joy. Circumstances had not changed, but I was walking in joy. And for the next hour or two, I just walked up and down that beach singing every worship song I knew at the top of my lungs. Now. I understood that God never said that he would save my marriage. He was basically saying to me, I feel your pain, my son, and you are not alone. That's all he was promising me. I feel your pain. I empathize with you. 
I'm right here. You are not alone. And guys, that was enough for me. That was enough for me. Well, within weeks, I was forced to step down as senior pastor. Uh, and a few months later, my wife filed for divorce. So within one month, I had lost my wife, my ministry, my friends, my home, my reputation, my money, and I could only see my children half the week. I was actually living in a friend's spare bedroom. Scene three, Job is attacked by his friends. Job four, verses seven and eight. Uh, Job's friend, this is Eliphaz, talking to Job. He says this, stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. What wonderful friends to have, right? When you're down. Talk about kick a guy when he's down. Well, as we're going to see later, Job's friends would, would be um, criticized by God for their sinful advice to Job. To my story, most of my so-called friends deserted me. Guys, if you ever want to find out who your true friends are, go through a disaster. And you'll see the ones that run out of the burning building that is your life, and then you'll see the ones that run in and remain. But I realized that I, they'd only been my friends because I was senior pastor. And that betrayal, guys, was almost as painful as my wife's betrayal. One day it hit me. I just woke up one morning to the realization that I'm no longer a senior, I'm no longer a pastor, and I'm no longer a husband. And I could do whatever I wanted to do. Didn't help that I was working on a construction site at that time, uh, and my coworkers who knew my situation were always encouraging me. Hey, let's go to the bars afterwards. Hey, I met some girls. You know, do you want to meet them? This temptation was always there, and the truth is. You know, I, if I would have taken up, I wouldn't have lost my marriage. It was gone. I wouldn't have lost my ministry because it was gone. Right? But then God sent a pastor to me. Perfect timing. He had heard of my story, and we began to talk and pray together. And then one day he looked me in the eyes, and he said, and now I know it was prophetically, he looked me in the eyes and he said, Tim, you'll be back in ministry in three years. Well, I just forgot about that. Three years, I gotta, I gotta feed my children. It was in the back of my mind. I didn't really even entertain it. Didn't realize it was prophetic, maybe just wishful thinking on his part. Um, but I went back to my life, working, trying to uh, be my best for my children. And there were many, many lonely nights during those years and times when I had difficulty sleeping because I was gripped by fear of what this would do to my children. They were really young at the time, two and five, my two younger ones. And I was just like, Lord, are my kids going to be a statistic of broken marriages? And many times I asked God, how, how could God ever make anything good come from this mess? I had heard that, I'd even counseled people with that advice, but I was unable to see it. Scene four. The Lord confronts Job. If you know the book of Job, 
throughout like 20 some chapters, it's just Job and his friends speaking and God is silent. And I love that about the book of Job. He's trying to get the idea of the people's hearts and then God speaks. And when he spoke, he spoke for a couple of chapters, right? Um, well, in the beginning of my trials, I had some very serious conversations with God. Um, and I can be passive aggressive sometime and a little critical. And, uh, and I remember talking to God like this. So God, this is the abundant life you promised me. This is why, this is what I get for serving you, for giving up all my other options in life and serving you full time. I get living in a spare bedroom of my friend and seeing my kids every once in a while and running into people at Walmart who duck down another aisle because they don't, it's uncomfortable to see the fallen pastor. Is this the abundant life that you promised me? I was very sarcastic. I even asked myself in my really low moments, is a God like this really worthy of my devotion, my worship, and my service? Chapter 38, as I said, the Lord finally replies to Job. And he's, he's rough. He's rough on Job. But there's a reason for that. Listen to this. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Now this can seem pretty brutal, but the truth is that God was trying to bring Job to a place of humility, because Job was now having pity parties. He didn't start out that way. But now he was feeling sorry for himself and he was blaming God. And so God put him on a right foundation because he was going to build this man. In my case, God showed me, I guess it was a breakthrough. He just showed me, he was my son. I, gave, I have given everyone free will. You could have walked away from me, but you didn't. But I gave that same free will to your wife and she chose that path. And so I forgave God. I, I totally took it out of God's hands. I said, I'm no longer blaming you, God. I totally understand. Now, I wasn't allowed to attend my church because there was a new pastor. And I wanted my children to be raised up in the church. And so I would, I would travel down to Kapolei to a sister church, Hope Chapel Kapolei. And that's where we made our home for the next two, three years. And slowly God began to redeem my life. That pastor there allowed me to teach uh, Bible studies, in Bible classes. Um, now, previously, my credit had been completely destroyed. At age 44, I had a wiped out credit rating. I couldn't have gotten a loan from anyone because they, they had foreclosed on our home because we were upside down in our mortgage. And so uh, they took everything. They cleaned out our savings accounts, our, our child children's college funds. They, they cleaned it out. We were broke. But within one year, God helped me to buy a house. It truly was a miracle. Now, remember my friend's prophetic word? Guys, I'm not exaggerating. This is God's honest truth. I was reinstated, which never happens. I was reinstated as pastor, senior pastor 
of Hope Chapel Milani, the very church that I was kicked out of. And guess what? It was three years to the very Sunday. My friend's prophetic word came true. Three years to the very Sunday. I was being redeemed. And I could feel it. And I could see it. And people were seeing it. Um, but I still had one dirty little secret that had to be cleansed out of my life. Hopefully I'm speaking to you too that you feel the same way. But I had never hated anyone in my life. Of course, there's been people I disliked and got mad with. But I had never truly hated anyone in my life. But in my wilderness time, I developed a deep hatred for the man who helped destroy my family. One day, I was reinstated back as senior pastor. So God allowed me to come back to the church, even though I had this horrible sin in my heart. He allowed me to be senior pastor. But he wasn't going to allow me to stay that way very long. One day, we were at, um, at Starbucks with a bunch of guys studying the Bible. And as we're quiet and we're reading, I hear this voice behind me. And I turn, and there's no one there. Uh, this has only happened to me a couple times in my life, and th this was the most clear that I ever heard. And of course, I never forgot the words, and they were this. I can take you no further. I can take you no further. I even remember the sound of the voice. Well, when God gives you a cryptic uh, sentence like that, he also, the Holy Spirit helps to clarify. He, he gives it, uh, he, he fills out the, the meat on the bone, so to speak. And what God was saying to me was this. If I wanted to be blessed in this new life, and I wanted my ministry to bless and my children to be blessed, then I had to let go of my hatred. In other words, he was saying, I can take you no further until you get rid of this hatred. And then he showed me the only way that I was to do that. Um, that I had to go to this man whom I had never seen in person. I had to go to him and get this, guys. I had to ask him to forgive my hatred towards him. Now, I immediately shared this with the guys. And this all happened right in one setting. And I shared this with the guys, and they're going, You are crazy. Just forgive him. And I said, Nope. God was crystal clear. I said, guys, do you think I want to do this? I, I do not want to do this, but God was crystal clear. This is what I have to do. Well, it just so happened that the very next day, my children had a soccer game, and I heard that he was going to be there. Um, well, I walk up and I see him. Uh, I'd seen pictures of him. I never actually met him. I saw him, but there was all kinds of people around, and I thought, this is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And as I was saying that, it's like the Red Sea part of the people just moved away from him. And it was almost like a, a path of light lit up right towards him. So I started walking up to him. He saw me. He knew who I was. And I saw his body immediately tense up. I saw his fists clench. And uh, I just walked up to him and I said, uh, Mike, uh, my name is Tim. Uh, my God told me 
that I need to ask you to forgive me for my hatred towards you. Now, this man is not a Christian, so I must have seemed like a lunatic to him. I mean, who does this, right? Well, his jaw dropped, he just stared at me, and he didn't say anything. Uh, I guess, what would you say to that, right? So I said, hey, if you accept, if you forgive me, just shake my hand. And he kind of, he was still wondering if I was gonna punch him out or something, but he lifted his hand, we shook hands, and I walked away. Now, if someone would explain the situation to me, that I did this and I walked away, at that point, I would have had to say, what a loser, what a wimp that you would do this. And you are gonna feel exactly that way once you do this. But it was the exact opposite. As I was walking away, I felt strength in my body. I felt release from my body. This hatred was already draining out. I could feel God's pleasure. He knew what a difficult thing it was for me to do, and he wanted to make sure that he, that I knew that he was there seeing it all. And I was just walking with a, I was walking like a feather. I was free. I was released. Well, I felt like Job in chapter 42, verse 5, when he said this, I had only heard you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I felt like I had seen God. I thought I was finished, but there was one more step in my healing. Job 42, verse 10 says this, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends that had given him the terrible advice and made him feel even worse. Now, I don't begin to say that there's an equation for this, but I can tell you that's exactly what happened to me. From that moment, he really started restoring my life in the important matters. See, the Lord told Job to pray for forgiveness for his friends who had caused him so much pain. And when he did this, the Lord started pouring out blessings onto Job. How does that reply to me? Well, those friends, those friends who deserted me, those friends, uh, I had so much animosity towards them. I wouldn't say hatred. I was just really, really hurt by them. And so I had to pray for them. I had to pray for healing for them and to forget, forgive this for them. And then he told me that I also had to pray for this guy, Mike. I had no idea how difficult that would be. Because when I pray, I pray for people that I love. I pray for the people that I care about. And that first prayer for him to find Jesus, to find blessing, it, it was just like, I, it wouldn't come out of my mouth. But I found that as I regularly prayed for him it kept hate from creeping back into my life because how many know you can rid yourself of sin but it can find an open door and start crawling right back in so this was my fail safe that hatred would never come back into my life again and then it got to the point where i didn't hate him anymore i mean or i didn't even feel the way i felt about him i actually cared about him and over the next few years I found myself being invited to their home, his home, with my ex-wife for holidays. 
Uh, once I offered to help with him as he was going to remodel his living room. And then, after 10 years went by and their marriage was failing, I offered to counsel him. How could I possibly do this? How could you do that? Only through the healing power of forgiveness. Guys, it's miraculous when you forgive someone. Well, their marriage ended up in divorce, and it, that marriage should have never happened, of course, um, but it ended up in divorce. But I, I still feel bad for him this now because my children, he doesn't contact my children, my children don't contact him, he lives alone, he has nobody, I don't think he's come to the Lord yet, and so I am empathetic towards him. You know, I began to see at this point God's blessing on my ministry. And I began to see real, authentic healing for my children. Three of them now, they're all adults, but three of them now are, are married. They have wonderful spouses. They have good jobs. They've bought homes in Milani. And um, God is healing my children. He's healing my children. They're caring and loving adults, and I love them so much. And, uh, and very, very proud of all of them. All right, let's wrap it up. Perhaps there are some of you today who are nodding your hearts in agreement with my story because you've traveled that same journey of sorrow and have also experienced the Father's restoration and redemption in your life. If so, you are seasoned, mature Christians. Perhaps there are others of you who are in the midst of that trail of tears. Maybe you don't see God doing anything, even though you've been praying like you have never prayed before. And you're getting tired. And fear is entering. Doubt is entering in. Maybe even anger is entering in. <clears throat> Maybe you're even wondering if this God really is worthy of your service and adoration. Maybe there's also someone out there that, who really needs to forgive someone. You've been holding on to unforgiveness, and you need to rectify that. We know the power of forgiveness, as in my story, but in the greater scheme of things, God forgave us because His Son sacrificed. God forgave us. We are now friends with God, and you can be friends with this person also that needs your forgiveness. I can tell you that in my life, I daily struggle to hold on to our friend Job's philosophy. And that's this, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through the good times and through the bad times, I will praise him because he truly is worthy. Amen. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for your people, your children. I pray, Lord, for those who are in the midst of a trail of tears at this point, and they're just barely holding on. Doubt and fear have entered into their life. They're tired, tired of praying and not seeing any answer, tired of hoping and not seeing any change. And I pray, Lord God, that through this message or through a Christian friend or through somebody in the church with a phone call or a text, that they would be encouraged and strengthened, knowing, Lord God, that you have not forgot them, 
that you hear their prayers, that you are with them. It's just the timing. The timing is yours, God. We have to give you your timing. And so, Lord, help them to hold on. And when your time is right, bring healing, restoration, and redemption into their lives so that this could be uh, just another chapter in their amazing testimony of walking with you. We just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's been such an honor to be with you, New, uh, New Hope Community Church. I hope I get a chance to meet you one day. Um, yeah, until then, God bless you. Aloha. Well, wasn't that a great word from Pastor Tim this morning? We're so thankful to be blessed by what he spoke on. And let's jump into a time of communion. It's the first of the month, and, and just like our tithes and offerings, we want to make sure that we recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And I love the story of Exodus, that um, the people of God, right, in Egypt, um, were spared from death, that a lamb was broken, uh, the blood was shed and, and covered the uh, doorways of their homes and death passed over them. The same way uh, Jesus' body was broken and, uh, and his blood was shed so that you and I could allow death to pass over us, that we would have eternal life through Jesus. Now let's read from Matthew 26, 6 through 28, where it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after it, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he did, he given thanks and he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we take the bread, we want to make sure we remember um, the things that God has broken, not only um, in our lives, that he broke his own body for our sake, Right, and so that we could have internal relationships with Him. And so let us break it and we will eat of it. Then He took the cup and He gave thanks. May we be those that are thankful for all the blessings that Jesus has bestowed upon us, that He's kept us from certain things, that He's allowed us to walk through certain things, that grace has covered our lives. So may we, with a thankful heart, take the cup and remember that it covers all sin, that death has passed over us, and that we have life with Him. Let's take the cup. Well, let me pray for us this morning. Thank you, God, for being a God who sacrificed that sacrificial love that you would lay your life down, not for the sake, for nothing, but for everything. That you laid your life down, your blood was shed, so that death would be defeated for once and for all, so that we would have life with you forever and ever. May we never take that for granted. May we forever be thankful. May we look to you, God, and in all our hearts, 
open in love and relationship with you that the reconciliation between man and God was made because Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again forever and ever. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us online. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you next week here again. Uh, have a wonderful week. Thank you very much. See ya. Thank you.